Hello and welcome to Australian Women Writers in Conversation series. My name is Norris Bakarinaika. Today we're talking to Liz Newell, who has put on two plays and has several novels in the works. So enjoy. Writer, based in Perth. I've lived here for a couple of years now. I grew up in a tiny regional town without traffic lights and moved here for the sake of work and sanity. Um, and haven't looked back since, I suppose. Tell us about your plays. Tell us what they're about. Well, they're all pretty different so far. I like to mix it up a little bit and um, focus on different themes and different aspects and different thought processes with everything that I do. The only real common denominator between them is that I will always, if I can, try to focus on um, the characters first. Um, everything that I write, very character-driven, um, I think, very focused on moulding the characters into three-dimensional, realistic people as opposed to just characters per se. Um, it's actually important that stories can't just happen. I read the first one, which is the intersection between sound and sunk, and that was actually put on, which kind of surprised me because I was, while I was reading it, your stage direction, what has to happen on stage is very elaborate. And I thought it was going to be a very simple play. <laughs> I mean, you're asking, <laughs> you're asking for pianos and elephants and circus and, and like, how the hell are you going to put all that on stage? I mean, did you get an elephant on stage? No, 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 we, we didn't. I mean, that, that hasn't actually been produced, that one, but... Um... That's really all in the hands of the, the director and all the producer to decide when they get a script, any script, not just that one, um, how they're actually going to put it together. There's a school of thought that says that the playwright should just write what they want to write and leave it up to the rest of the crew to decide how they're actually going to do it or if they're going to actually do it. But I do remember writing some of it and emailing somebody and going, can I put an elephant in this? Is that, can we do that? And having them just come back to me and go, keep going, keep going, um, instead of actually feeling like I needed to edit myself and restrict myself creatively for the sake of practicalities of staging the work, which is good. You don't want a producer or a director who goes, no, keep it simple, please. We're on a budget. Can't buy an elephant. So, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much all, all there is to it with that kind of thing. It's just... Do you have any vision in your head of how actually people would be able to manage it bar bringing an elephant on? No, I try not to because I can't figure it out and I'm not that creative. I can't, I can't decide how on earth I would do it. So, and as soon as I start thinking about it, I start editing myself and I'll start doing something different and... Or deleting a scene or deleting a character or changing the story beats or doing something that probably, possibly to the detriment of the end product because I'm like, they can't do that. We can't make that happen. That's stupid, Liz. And I'll just go through and do it some other way. So I try not to think about how are we going to make the ceiling fall down or how are we going to put an elephant on stage or how are we going to put a lighthouse in there or something like that because otherwise... What I'll end up with is only half as good as it could be, potentially. So I try not to, and that's probably just as well because I'm always wrong. Someone else, inevitably far more talented and experienced than I, 
takes the script and goes, well, we can do this with projection and we can do this with careful blocking and we can do this with a bit of lighting and do this with puppetry and we can do this with this. And I'll just stare and look at them and go, okay, have fun. We'll here writing. So, yeah. Okay. And that's how it worked out with Intersection. It was 90% puppetry and, and uh, projection when we were doing the creative development. There were no elephants, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, tell us about Belated, because Belated is very different. Intersection has a uh, sort of surrealism to it. Uh, <coughs> most absurdism at the start until the whole story resolves itself, but in a bit of waiting for Godot at the beginning. But Belated is very different. Belated, you get straight into it, sort of. Well, yeah, that was sort of a challenge. I still need to fix it. I'm still in the process of editing the drafts for that one. Um, but um, that was the sort of challenge that was set to me was dispense with all the dispense with all the crap basically that goes before and after the main events and just get straight into it as best you can. And I still haven't quite done that, so I'm still tinkering with with the editing process, um, trying to really cut out all of the fat that's that's still present in the work. Um, but yeah, it's um it is very different to dissection. It's extremely different. Um and it came out of the year that I spent very happily with the Black Swan Emerging Writers Group. Um, Black Swan State Theatre Company's um emerging uh, program for emerging writers. Um and the dramaturgy of Jeffrey J. Fowler, who's a local director, actor, writer, extraordinaire a great guy um, and his immense patience and wisdom is the only reason that Bladed actually exists in the first place so full credit <laughs> it's true it's very true <laughs> you write novels as well as I know um... <laughs> well they're not novels until they're published but sure let's go with that what's easier plays or novels oh god neither, neither. they're both stuck um, def oh, I mean, they have, it's really interesting actually for me to try and do either or. I've recently gone a little bit more towards prose again. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, they're so different and I've been doing prose writing since I was like 11 and I've only been writing for theatre for the last sort of two or three years. So one feels extremely familiar to me and one feels extremely alien to me mm -hmm. still. They both require such different things and such different frames of mind when you're working on the projects. Uh, by definition, theatre is essentially 60, 70 pages of dialogue, and that's basically it, which I really like because I've always enjoyed writing character interactions yeah. above everything else. So that actually, that's the main thing that I think has stuck with me with theatre is that I just really enjoy doing that and not having to faff around with a whole bunch of description passages and think about my inverted apostrophes and my split infinitives and all that crap and just be able to write dialogue. And having said that, there's a writing dialogue for the sake of writing dialogue and writing dialogue for theatre to be performed mm -hmm. to an audience are two extremely different things I'm learning. Every single line of dialogue in a in a script theoretically has to achieve something, has to push the the plot or the conflict or both forward in however small a way. Mm -hmm. So it's 
it's the first trick to doing it I'm discovering is learning how to write with an economy of text and an economy of dialogue that achieves that and learning how to convey things like subtext which is my least favorite word at the moment and learning how to convey conflict without explicitly stating something or using a lot of exclamation marks so they're very very different and I'm finding having gone more recently, as I said, into gone back to prose fairly recently, that I'm sort of adopting some of the things that I've learned with writing for theatre in my prose writing. And some of those things are really good because I'm being more mindful of how much dialogue I'm using, etc. And some of those things are really bad because I've completely forgotten how to write an actual paragraph. It's just a matter of... uh, kind of balancing the two and the other thing with theatre which I really enjoy the challenge of is minimising your stage directions and trusting that a director who is capable of interpreting the scene the way that the writer envisages personally I do like the dialogue and the character interactions to be as implicit as possible so that most people reading will get the same idea regardless of what my stage direction says. Does that make sense? I read, I read once that um, a, di- a piece of dialogue isn't effective if you have to explain how it's said. How do you manage to be <laughs> so prolific? I, don't, I really don't consider myself prolific. If I wrote half as often as I thought about writing, I'd be like Stephen King but on crack. I, I, wouldn't, I would be so prolific if I was actually like that. But I don't know. I mean, the only reason I get anything done is that I am a total night owl. Um, I don't, I, I kind of go to bed at like 2 a.m. most mornings um, and I get a lot done in the evenings if I'm in the right frame of mind. But other times I go weeks without doing anything and I'll just watch Netflix and waste my time constantly and get absolutely nothing done. So it just varies. If I'm in the middle of working on something, I'll usually get very bored of it. But if I've just started, I'm usually pretty excited. So I'll just kind of bash out the beginning pretty quickly. But yeah, once I hit the middle, because I don't plan, I get stuck and I get bored and I'll ditch it for probably a solid month and just keep thinking about it and keep coming up with potential routes for the plot or the characters or whatever and uh, come back to it when I feel like I'm ready or more often just force myself to sit in front of it until something starts to happen. That's more often what happens. What drives you? What drives me? That's a really good question. If I didn't get it all out of my head, I would be in a padded room by now. That's probably what drives me. You laugh, but most writers worth their salt will give you exactly the same answer. That is, there is a truth to that, I suppose. I mean, it, yeah, if, if I didn't write, then all the shit would be in my head. And writing for me is a way of getting out of my head and trying to see where it goes. Feel something or even if one person reads it or goes to see a piece of theatre that I've done and comes away thinking differently about an issue or a person. That's what drives me. I want somebody to get a tattoo of something that I've written on their person. That's my new life goal. Name your favourite Australian women writers. I have to start with Tony Jordan, I think. Tony writes people like their people, which is surprisingly rare. No, no, not slight any other wonderful and equally accomplished Australian women authors. But Tony was one of the first authors I read who, within a page or two pages of whatever I was reading, it was probably edition, it might have been Fall Girl, I just thought that I could walk down the street and run into the people that she was writing about. They, they were just beyond real. 
So to achieve that is one thing, but to achieve that so quickly is another entirely. So she certainly sticks in my mind as, a, as an Australian female author who I very much admire. And Perth is extremely lucky to have many of them within our within our home state. People like Annabelle Smith and Amanda Curtin and Brooke Davis and Natasha Lester and Yvette Walker. Good God. If you guys haven't read Letters to the End of Love by now, you need to because that book slayed me. It's amazing. It, it is. It is. It's just incredible. But they're all incredible. There's something in the water here, I think. Um, and we're very lucky to have them. Because I know you are so heavily involved in the literary scene. How has that helped you, like, working with other writers and people? It's, in, it's encouraging and it's inspiring and it's motivating. It's all positives. It's all... Um, to, to know, to have the pleasure to know some of these, some of the women that I just spoke about, or to in, interact with them on Twitter, or to work with them, or um, to engage with them on however small level. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very encouraging. I think first of all, just to, I suppose to just be reminded that these are all just people that have just done the work and put in the hard yards, as they say, and now they have a result. And I guess if you look at it like that logically, there's no reason why. You can't do exactly the same, even if it does take you a while. And it's yeah, it's motivating for the same reason. And it feels a bit like a support network in a way. The theatre scene, I'm more clued into these days just because I am, I suppose. Um, theatre scene, God, that sounds so obnoxious. I hate saying that. But you know what I mean? The theatre um, community, for want of a better word, in Perth is very much a community. Everybody's extremely supportive of one another and... Um, encouraging of one another. Um, everybody remembers being or starting out. Nobody thinks they've made it. Um, everybody's just learning and teaching each other and supporting each other. It's not competitive at all, in my experience. It's just this overwhelming sense that everybody's making art together and making theatre together and trying to move audiences and attract audiences and learn and grow their practice and grow their career, which is a really amazing thing and you just don't get it anywhere else in Australia as far as I'm aware. So that's definitely the main thing that comes to mind is that sort of support network and obviously the authors are, are much the same. What are the obstacles of being a writer? Uh, yourself, more often than not. Yeah, self-doubt, self-sabotage, yeah. I mean, yeah, fear of rejection, fear of not doing it, fear of doing it and it doesn't work. All those internal things that happen in your brain, there's no external forces at all as far as I'm concerned that prevent me from doing anything I don't have any I'm very fortunate that I don't have anybody in my life who says give up or don't do it or you should quit while you're ahead I've always had family and friends who have encouraged me and supported me and never ever ever expressed their desire that I go be a lawyer because then I'd be able to pay my rent on time every week every fortnight it was so my day. Thanks, Marissa. Can you add this sort of thing to the reasons why Liz gets nothing done and isn't prolific? Because <laughs> this is what it is. Okay. Thank you so much.